it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are doing a movie that... You know, when I made this podcast, I was like, eventually we're going to have to do this movie. It was one of those movies that you immediately think of when you think of a rom-com. And it's 2005's The Wedding Date, uh, directed by Claire Kilner and written by Dana Fox with a story by Elizabeth Young. So this is an all-women thing, which is like very... It doesn't happen very much on this podcast. Like whenever we, we're always surprised how many of these are just like made by a full dude team. Yeah. Like there's a lot, a lot of movies that we've covered have a three person team and it's just all very old, pale white men. And we have three women now. Um, And it's interesting. Like I wouldn't watching it. I wouldn't have really guessed in either direction. So it's yeah. sometimes it's directed uh, and written by women, and we're like, okay, we can see that. With this, I, I have like, I can see both. Yeah, yeah. And so um, Kilner has also directed How to Deal, which I watched recently, and I was I wanted to love it, but I did not. Uh, and American Virgin, which is something. I didn't know that existed, <laughs> and you know, uh, I probably won't research. American no. version. <laughs> no, um, this is based on a book called Asking for Trouble. And, uh, you know, the screenwriter of the script, Dana Fox, also wrote What Happens in Vegas, which we haven't done yet. Um, I think she also wrote How to Be Single. Yes. I feel like, I feel like that was also her. And she's going to be the co-writer for the new Cruella. She was the co-writer for Isn't It Romantic? Uh, co-writer for Couples Retreat, like the, what a what a resume, and also of course she created Ben and Kate, one of yeah. the great one season wonder sitcoms. I was about to yell at you if you didn't mention Ben and Kate. I was, <laughs> I knew that you <laughs> would not let me not mention. Where she to us all that Dakota Johnson is a comedic genius. So she is. <laughs> I was gonna be Wait, so upset. <laughs> we haven't we haven't introduced you, Latoya, right? We. We have not. We have not. So our guest. <laughs> we tried to be good, and then I was we're like, "We're just, just like waiting for us to let you talk." Yeah. <laughs> so nice. I don't know. It's like I like Latoya is like one of the first people I ever followed on Twitter. So it does seem uh-huh. like, like I feel like we have a rapport, even though we have not talked that much outside of Twitter. But um, this is our guest is Latoya Ferguson, writer for the AV Club, and um. Where else do you write? I feel like you write in a bunch of different places. Uh, yeah, I write in a bunch of different places. Wherever will take me, um, IndieWire, Pace Magazine, Variety. You know, you've heard of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And you wrote a very, very cool book. Want to name check it here? <laughs> yes, uh, an encyclopedia of women's wrestling, 100 profiles of the strongest of the sport. Yes, yeah, yeah and that's that, like out. I just got dopamine just from the title of your book. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool. And it's so good to have you. And I've been wanting to have you for a very long time. I've been wanting to be on for a very long time. Uh, I've made made it. No, (laughs) (laughs) we've, we've had, we have like multiple Google docs and we've had your name on the Google doc and like, 
you know, with the pandemic, like moving episodes around, but like you've, you've been a, you know, a North star, uh, for the, for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, your opinions on movies and television is like, I love your opinions. Like you're so funny and you, you always like mention shows that I would never watch. And so I always check them out. Like I watched some of Stumptown because you mentioned it. Yes. I kept saying get stumped every single week. (laughs) eventually people have to get stumped it's just you know in the cards (laughs) it's definitely the hottest that kobe smolders has ever been like after after how i met your mother i was like am i ever gonna like her again because i hate this show and Stumptown, she's just like so hot and so cool (laughs) right yeah i thought your mother was really holding her back (laughs) well i I, I, I haven't watched we all knew that I, I was just gonna, yeah I was gonna say I haven't watched it and like since we just finished How I Met Your Mother it's so hard for me to imagine her being likable. <laughs> she is so self-destructive and hot in Stumptown. You you gotta watch it. Okay, that sounds awesome. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I was okay. So I'm still looking at credits, and this was produced by Jessica Bendinger, who um, who wrote "Bring It On," that amazing script, wrote and directed "Stick It," which I love. And I don't remember if she did. I don't. I always met. I always forget whether it was her or Amy Heckerling who did "Vamps." I'm gonna assume it's Amy Heckerling. It was. It was Amy Heckerling. It was Amy Heckerling. Right. Yeah. Thank God, because Vamps has some issues. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so she's batting two for two. I'm just so glad to see Jessica Bendinger's name. Sometimes I tweet about her, and she's a very reluctant Twitter user. So she's just like, "Oh, <laughs> that's nice." <laughs> it reminds me of when I met Amy Ryan, and I was just like, "I love you," and she's just like one of those actresses that's just like, "I just do the work, and I don't really want to be spoken to." <laughs> <laughs> She's That's how like, I feel, basically. <laughs> and then she just, like, quietly goes to her corner. Yeah, like, she's one of those people that I feel like does not want to be recognized in public. <laughs> uh, so, um, The Wedding Date, it's starring Deborah Messing, Dermot Mulroney, Amy Adams, Holland Taylor. Uh, we got Jack Davenport as well, who is um, known for, like, coupling and... I think the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and I don't know if he's yeah. not anything else. Um, so Deborah Mess is this our first Deborah Messing? No, um, no. Was Deborah Messing was, was in the Heartbreak Kid. Yes, I was gonna say yeah, because she, um, yeah, she, she was quite a character in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was our first time having her on the pod. So you know, this is. Only our second, you know, out of hundreds of movies, it's kind of surprising. And this is our second Dermot Mulroney because we did My Best Friend's Wedding. Yeah, I feel like Dermot has been on the podcast more than that, but I can't remember. So maybe yeah, he's done a lot of rom-com stuff. Yeah. He's and we, and we did Leap Year, the Amy Adams movie that I refuse to watch ever again. I fucking hate Leap Year. <laughs> Leap Year broke my brain. I I, I remember <laughs> after like after we recorded that episode, I feel like we were both so angry. I was that, so mad. Yeah, we like had to make ourselves drinks just to calm down and be able to talk to each other. <laughs> you guys did the Family Stone also, right? Yeah. So Dermot yeah. Maroney also for that. 
Yes, yes, yes. The Family Stone. Yeah, Uh, I knew there was another one where he was like, God, I hated him in that. When everyone focuses their attention on how much they hate Love Actually, I'm like, what about the Family Stone? And this family of monsters. (laughs) And how it tricked everyone with the trailer is like a fun romp. It's not a fun romp. It's just nonstop anger and cancer and Rachel McAdams being so hot, but being so awful. And it's, I I hate it. Yeah, it's awful. It's I feel like it's extra awful because it's so framed as, oh, look at this family. Like, they're great. Like, oh, yeah, they have problems. But and I'm like, this is a toxic romp through hell. (laughs) Like, how dare Sarah Jessica Parker have a tight ponytail? Like (laughs) that bitch. (laughs) Yeah, they hate her so much. They're like, ugh. She didn't smile and she made her bed again. <laughs> like, what a bitch. <laughs> so this movie has one of the wildest premises ever. And it's not just like, and I mean, to be fair, you know, Pretty Woman also has a wild premise, but there's something about like Pretty Woman where it feels like it's happening and like this like kind of fun dream space. It was like one of the few films where Gary Marshall really you know, got the tone exactly right. Whereas like in the wedding date, like it feels ridiculous. It never really stops feeling ridiculous. And the whole time you're just like distracted by how ridiculous it is. Like the charms of the actors, I feel like don't like the charms of the actors are enjoyable, but I don't feel like (laughs) I, I'm, I was yelling the entire time, six thousand dollars i couldn't <laughs> yelling about the six thousand dollars he's a high-end male escort and why weren't you yelling about the fact that deborah messing for some reason has straight hair this entire movie or that it's... amy adams plays her sister but they make her blonde because you can only have one redhead in this movie it's genuinely insane and i need to talk about it okay wow i was thinking there was something about deborah messing that did not feel right this entire it's movie it's straight like, hair it's the straight hair. Yes. I was like, she's a beautiful woman. I've seen every episode of the original run of Will and Grace. That new run, I don't have any patience for. And like, I'm always, and I always thought that she was like really beautiful and really hot. But in this movie, I felt like she just reminded me of like someone's sexually repressed mom. And that really bumped me it's out. It's straight hair and the combination of, which I is I, to me is the most I, I don't understand why this was a choice for the movie. The pale blue color scheme that this movie chooses for this pale skinned woman was washing her and poor now blonde Amy Adams out as though it's attacking them personally for existing. Yeah. The way so much pale blue everywhere. It looks, yeah, the movie looks, it makes all of the white people look dried out. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely, like, the, the color scheme definitely is not flattering um, at all. And it it feels like the tone and the coloring, like, there's all these tonal issues with the movie where, like, going back to the plot being kind of absurd, the movie feels self-conscious about it. And, mm-hmm. like, the movie needs to keep explaining it and, like, making jokes about how ridiculous this is. And then also the movie won't let anyone look comfortable I mean they're all you know like they're attractive people but they don't look um they don't look the way that they would 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Something's off about basically everyone. Cause this is like a great yeah. cast actually. Yeah. And so after I watched the movie, cause I, like, I watched it like right before this, I decided to put it on with commentary and I'm like, first of all, the commentary is just Deborah messing, which again feels like another attack. Not even like Deborah and Dermot together. It's just her by herself. And she noted that the original script, like Dana Fox's original script was much darker and they cut a lot of stuff out. Like a lot of the, uh, cat Amy sister stuff was like that was a major part of the story and they just cut it out because they felt like there was a tonal inconsistency basically in the studio because it was very dark because obviously there are major issues in that sister relationship that they're you're, they're not addressing <laughs> like yeah, major so issues that's like its own movie right just yeah. that dynamic <laughs> I think that was like probably the focus that Dana wanted to keep in the script and the studio was like no no yeah, because, I mean, Dana is, like, good with sibling relationships, like, as Ben and Kate um, exemplifies. But also she's good at, like, working working within group dynamics and bringing humor and darkness out of it. And I almost feel like it's she she has this script that's really interesting and it's being, like, choked by the wedding planner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, it feels like um like the script is trying to wear a jacket that doesn't fit it or something. Like, you know, like a pale blue jacket that doesn't fit it. Yeah, and you're just like, why we don't a lot of people wear that jacket. You should wear a different jacket so that this works. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so the plot of this movie is that Deborah Messing is a very, like, accomplished, upscale woman, but her sister is getting married before her, and her ex is the best man, so she is so, like, insecure about showing up by herself that she finds an upscale male escort played by Dermot Mulroney and pays him $6,000 to pretend to be her boyfriend during this, like, wedding weekend. And it is $6,000. Yeah, I kept thinking about the money, too. I was like, damn. At first I thought that she was rich, but then later on she mentions that she takes it out of her 401k, which made me want to throw the remote across (laughs) the room. What? Your 401k? For a couple of days? It also, like, for me, very like, insecure. Okay, if you're somebody who is going to take $6,000 out of your 401k so that you can, I guess, show off to your ex and, you know, let him know that you're fine and you've moved on and don't worry about me, family. I've got it together at my sister's wedding, which I'm making about me. Um, she, I, I feel like more of her care, her personality should have been impulsive. Like, she didn't really seem impulsive in other ways. Like, this was her big impulse. And then she just kind of, like, she's insecure. She's a little bit of a people pleaser. Um, And that that made sense with her character. But she's not, it's not like she's just somebody who does stuff. So this is a big thing for her to just do. It. I feel like the the character again, based on the commentary from like the the few minutes of the commentary I was able to uh, listen to before this. Uh, Deborah Messing was actually like very enlightening because it seems that the reason she signed on to this movie is because she thought it was going to be a much darker movie, basically. Because she says like originally we filmed the first scene and it's just like a close up on me sobbing in my living room. <laughs> That's how it was supposed to open, not like the I'm brushing my teeth or anything. And then like the chorus plays. So like 
she wanted to play like this very sad, pathetic character. And then that's not exactly what ended up happening, even though it's kind of there also, because again, $6,000. That's really fascinating. Cause that would be like such a different movie, of course, if it was like really leaning into the sadness of it and not just being like, this is bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cause like it, instead of it coming off sad, which is like what you would expect, she just kind of plays it like, or maybe she's forced to play it like she's never been with a man before in her life <laughs> because like she doesn't know how to be around him she's like immediately ups- like she's she's upset when he takes his clothes off she's upset when she sees his dick like there's this whole like <gasps> oh my god that bathroom scene <laughs> what was that <laughs> yeah there's a scene it's like right after he's showered right and he mm-hmm. and for some reason she's just like in there talking to him um there's such inconsistency in how she feels uncomfortable but then she also is like always in his face um but and then he comes out and he's like talking about his childhood and his t- i really I actually, I do like the, the bit where he's talking about his childhood and it ends up being bullshit because that backstory is basically like the what women want excuse. And it's like, yeah, it's absolute bullshit. Like, fuck that. Yeah, I liked, I liked that he gave her shit there too because there was like that hypocrisy of her kind of like judging him for being an escort even though she hired him. Mm-hmm. Um, and But yeah, he gets out and then his dick is just there and it's like he drops the towel and he's standing in front of her, but they don't have sex she just is sitting there looking at his dick. It's like he's on the train. She really is. Yeah. <laughs> and, she's, and she's just like weirdly putting her head in her hands like, oh, no. She could have walked out of the bathroom. She's so, so close weird. to his dick. She's, she's so, so close to and doesn't do anything with it. And I was like, and it wasn't, but it wasn't even traumatic. That was a weird thing too. Is I was like, this feel the fact that she's reacting so negatively. Like normally, I would feel like he is crossing a boundary, but this is just so weird. I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) It's just they're having a conversation, and his dick just happens to be right in her face. It's crazy. Can we talk about how apparently he wrote about women in the New York Times like a fucking pickup artist? (laughs) It's so weird. So there's like the magazine article where he was apparently interviewed and then another article in the New York Times. Is is that what we're supposed to believe? Yes. I don't know if it was just like the dad being like, oh yeah, I think I read it in the New York Times. It was actually a magazine. Like, I don't know if it's multiple articles or just one article where nobody can seem to decide where it was published. Because <laughs> it's clearly a magazine when we see the article numerous times. Yeah. It's, it is weird because it's rewatching it. It seems like this was maybe a time in the world where like male escorts were on the rise, but that's not a thing. It's not like this is um, a topical movie where it's like, oh, this was the new fad. It's not, not, not like the man session bullshit we had to deal with in 2007 or whatever. It's, it's just something that is created for this, I guess the book originally, and then uh, this movie, but it's, it's so weird. It, like you would think that it's like, oh, this new trend, women are paying for sex. It's like American Gigolo was like 25 years before this. Um, But I think, okay, so the quote that he says and that later on her dad says near the end, which is Uh, wild to me. um, It's like, 
every woman has the love life she wants. This is the, the quote from this movie that for the past 15 years, I'm like, this is bullshit. I enjoy this movie so much, but that quote is just garbage. And... I hate it. I mean, it's so like, it's like on so many levels. First of all, what the fuck are you talking about? Quote, like, no, like, what the fuck? Second of all, no. Third of all, I hate no. it. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's also just like one of those things in movies where it's something really obvious that sounds like almost deep, but it also makes no sense. <laughs> it seems like one of those things that was probably in the book. And it's like, I guess we have to use this. Exactly. Stay true to the source material. It's okay. So the premise of this, um, this, this quote is that like, when, if a woman is miserable, she decides she's deciding to be miserable and then she has to decide to not be miserable again. (sighs) Which like, there's so many layers there, right? Like, First of all, there's that layer that sounds a lot like the rhetoric that claims depression isn't real. You know, like the kind of just be happy rhetoric. So mm-hmm. there's that. There's denying the fact that not everyone has the same options uh, romantically based on so many factors. And then also it's, it's just it's just like not right. It's just incorrect. And it's also just like, just be happy with what you get. <laughs> Uh, don't question it (laughs) literally like from the moment i started this movie in 2005 my friend and i would just be like this is like the most bullshit line of the entire movie it's just nonsense like yeah and again maybe maybe it works if the movie is like the darker version it should have been but it's just it feels so atonal in in this whatever this movie is which again i i do really enjoy this movie but still like that like part just doesn't hit every time yeah and and like it's interesting because obviously the quote doesn't say that it applies to everyone it just says women right so um it's specifically i guess something that women do (laughs) according Mm -hmm. to his logic i don't know it's interesting to me because that quote is brought up a lot but it's never really explored they don't even try to really make it deeper they're just like well there you go even like the real fuck up in this movie who uh, we'll get to obviously is jeffrey like he's the major fuck up who has basically the the life that he wants okay we need we're gonna get to jeffrey in a second but um first i wanted to ask hey does anybody have their volume up very very high on their computer because i'm hearing my voice echo back so i'm i'm hearing echoes too but i got i'm turning mine down it's not up high but i just turned it down more can you hear yourself Yeah, I can, like, hear myself. And it's just, like, also my voice is just loud. Um, (laughs) So I thought that putting on headphones would make the echo go away, but I can still hear the echo. I think, yeah, maybe we should all do the headphone situation. Yeah, it's like... (sighs) Which I, I also, hate, which I hate. I had to use headphones for like, I don't know. I was did an NPR happy hour thing. I hate wearing headphones while I'm talking. It's so distracting. <laughs> I also can't wait to talk about how this movie is to blame for Michael Buble existing. Whoa. Wait. Wh- okay. Okay. Wait, is that his song that plays at the end? That's his song. He has multiple songs on the soundtrack. Okay, I was wondering who this person was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has three songs on the soundtrack. This movie is, is the reason for Michael Bublé. Oh my god. Uh, 
I never, I'm just going to say, I always got bad vibes from Michael Buble, even before people, the, the abuse rumor started, like, this year. Whoa. Hey, this Michael Whoa, you don't Buble know about that? Rumors? Oh, like, this spring, uh, there were, like, basically based on videos with him and his wife, it's like, this guy seems like he's uh, pretty abusive. And I'm like, I've, I've never gotten a good vibe off of Michael Buble, ever. Even though he's like, I'm just a charming Canadian. I'm like, you're, sk- you're skeevy, dude. <laughs> you're like, there's something that lurks beneath <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm just saying <laughs> yeah i mean i never liked his music and that was my only association it just felt very i don't yeah, know i would like thin. like watching him like, when he would appear like on graham norton show or something i'm just like there's like a smarm there that i like i don't feel comfortable with mm. yeah, so like- jeffrey <laughs> yes Let's talk about Jeffrey. Is here okay? So one thing that was interesting was like I remembered um, the escort and I remembered everything, but for some reason I thought that what the plot was of this movie, this movie that I've seen before, was that her ex was marrying her sister, which is not it. It's that her ex is the best man at her sister's wedding. And so, like, uh, number one, I feel like if he was marrying her sister, she would, the $6,000 might make more sense to me, personally. But Mm -hmm. since it's just the best man, and since it's fucking Jeffrey, the whole time, when we finally meet him, I'm just like, him? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry, you can't say him when, you know what his big starring role, correct? You know what his big starring role is, right? No. The Natalie and Brulia music video for Torn. (laughs) <laughs> what he's the he's the love interest in natalie and brulia's torn music video okay thank you for the best trivia that i've heard this week that's fantastic that's oh really God. funny that's so 2004 2000 this was made in 2004 it came out in 2005 yeah that's like that makes sense wow <laughs> okay um it's just like, I get it. He's, it's one of those things where like, I feel like maybe if I was white, I would get it, but it's just like, okay, the jaw, the face, like he's like sculpted well, I guess. But like, <clears throat> there's just nothing in the head. Like there's nothing up there. <laughs> there's no <laughs> brain. There's nothing. How I mean, did she date him for seven years? He's very British hot. I would say uh, I like, I'm not attracted to him, but like, he seems to me at least like a more attractive Daniel Craig who I don't find attractive at all. Oh, wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. That I'm is, absorbing this. I'm, I'm going to just let myself, you know, absorb that. Yeah, truth that I'm saying just, it. <laughs> I, I definitely disagree. Um, I don't know. I, I think I definitely agree with you that, that he's British hot, which is a different hot. Um, I don't, he kind of just looks like, I don't know, like one of my cousins, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I guess you don't know my cousins, but like you could imagine, like, it's just like, okay, sure. Eric, like, he looks like somebody that Samantha would fuck on sex in the city. Yeah. I don't really got I mean, yeah, it's also a really early two thousands look. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I always respected Samantha for con- for always getting it in, but I always felt like I was just like, who is she fucking? What is that? Who is that? What is- um, I know, I know. Her her Rolodex was there was definitely some like random assortments of it's, of suitors. I, just, 
I will say that, like, I felt like Samantha was more, like, open-minded for, like, different body types and shapes and, like, less traditionally handsome guys in the way that I don't think that anyone else was until mm-hmm. Charlotte finally decided to be like, oh, I guess I can be with Harry. It's fine. <laughs> after, after like, bullying him for a long time. <laughs> it's, like, so mean to him. I don't get it. <laughs> He's, he was, like, I, I don't know. I'm always a Harry defender because, like, like, sure, he's, like, a little chubby, and he's, like, bald, and, like, he, but it's, like, he's got a little cute face, and he also, like, fucked her better than anyone else had done in the show, so I feel like that's a net positive. Yeah, <laughs> course, definitely. He also um, isn't insufferable, unlike her, so <laughs> there's that, too. <laughs> yeah, I did feel like, like a Jew- Jewish married Charlotte was the ultimate Charlotte. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's digging into herself. She's thinking about what she believes in, you know, what is existence, what's faith. Like, the, she needed that. Also, I love that when she div- when she broke up with him, which, of course, they got back together, when she broke up with him, she was like, no, I'm still Jewish. I'm going to go find a man at the synagogue. I was just like, okay, girl. <laughs> oh, embrace your new spirituality. Um. Anyway, this movie, uh, very, like... Um, it's a weird thing where it's like their dad is British, so so um Amy Adams is having the wedding in the UK, and so like it's a yeah. bunch of UK people, and then their mom is Holland Taylor, and she's American. Yeah, so I because I, I was looking it up, so the book they're all just straight up British. That's what it is. So and in the movie, I guess what it is, Holland Taylor was a single mother. She had Deborah Messing. Then Holland Taylor meets her husband, who is British, and. They live in New York. They have a kid who is also, they have Amy Adams together in New York. And eventually they move to England. So that's why the kids have American accents. Yeah. That, that that's, that's a lot of, conf- I mean, it makes sense, but it's also just like, why all the rigmarole? I mean, I'd rather, I, I do like the look of filming it in England as opposed to New York. And I don't want them all doing British accents. <laughs> they shouldn't be doing British accents. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm very glad. I don't want to hear Amy Adams's British accent. I don't feel or or Deborah Messing's really. I do want to hear Deborah Messing's British accent. No. Yeah, actually, <laughs> that, I was imagining yeah. that, and I was like, "What a mess!" <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I just imagine it sounds like when Grace is singing on Will and Grace. That's like what her British accent is. Yeah, like you have to kind of listen a little extra to really get what she's actually saying. <laughs> okay, so she spent seven years with Jeffrey. Seven years doing what? Like. Like, like, like when they talk in this movie, I'm just like, these aren't people that like each other. These aren't people. I mean, there's like the I'm, tension because they broke up, but it's like, I can't imagine them together. Can can either of you? I just, I literally just imagined it was all sex and that's what it was. Yeah, because like I, there's none of that emotional spark. You know, there's not that hovering thing that you get in real life and that can be portrayed in good movies. It's just like a forced tension of the plot, but there's no like chemistry between them on screen. I, yeah, I would imagine that it was sex. And also based on the way that she kind of talks about herself and her life, I think that she values being with someone, but doesn't really know why and like what she wants from that. And so she just like was with someone and that was part of her, like who she is and what she wants. And then now she's not. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like she feels like her career is like, 
I don't know. It's like, it doesn't seem like she has a lot of value in it. It doesn't seem like she talks about it very much. It almost feels like she thinks that her career is like the consolation prize to a relationship, which is something that she should discuss in therapy. (laughs) I, cause yeah. Cause I mean, usually in these movies, like, they at least talk about their job a lot. And it's usually like a silly job or something, but it's like, she doesn't talk about her job. She doesn't talk about her life. She doesn't talk about her friends. And it makes me think that she doesn't have any friends. <laughs> that like was her, the yeah. job thing was another thing Deborah mentioned in the commentary. Like I'm kind of like, I first I was kind of clowning on the commentary. Now I'm like, I think this is probably very insightful commentary. If I listen to the rest of it, which is that like, there were probably more, there were more scenes with her job and they basically cut them. But like, they kept that one because like they wanted to show, you know, she's a people pleaser based. And it's like, I'm pretty sure there was like a fight pretty much to keep the one scene with her and her job to like, at least give her something more than just, you know, the romance. We talk about how they're like, it was a woman team creatively. And I can just imagine with the studio, there was probably a lot of arguments about certain things staying in to the movie, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Now it makes me want to look into Universal and like to see what kind of rom-coms Universal puts out. Because I'm just like, how did all of these women get conned into doing what this is? Like, the only (laughs) character that I feel like is having a good time is... um, Cousin TJ? Yes! Love her! (laughs) Cousin TJ, who is basically just like a Lucy Punch character, and it's awesome. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's exactly what she is. God, love Lucy Punch. Um, Yeah, my friend texted me. She's like, you have to acknowledge the fact that uh, uh, TJ saying top night is the best line of the entire movie. Yes, it, it really is. Like, everything about her, like... I, it's interesting. I'm not really attracted to Dermot Mulroney in this movie except for one scene. But I do love that, like, whenever she sees him, she's just like, yes. Like, yeah, she's him. like, he's, like <laughs> I will devour. Yeah, like, you can just see her, like, grabbing oil, like, from her purse. <laughs> she's just like, let's go. Let's find a space and I'll make it happen. She she grabs the asses of male go-go dancers. Like she throws dollars and she throws dollars at the club. She throws twenties at the club. I believe oh, that. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, <laughs> she respects the dance. You know, she's she's there. She does. <laughs> she seems to be having the time of her life, which is interesting because no one else is, <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like she's just like constantly drunk. She's like, these people are so fucking boring. I'm going to make this as lit as I possibly can. She's like, no one's expecting anything of me like important in this wedding. So I'm just going to fucking drink for this entire week. This marathon as Holland Taylor calls it. Which is like, that is the best experience at weddings. Like, like when you, when you're there and maybe you're part of the family, but you're not in the wedding or you're not really like carrying responsibility. So you just get to have, you just get to hang out and like get drunk and just kind of fuck around and like people watch. <laughs> like that's that's the ideal. TJ, TJ's oh yeah, I love that. TJ is doing great. I love how TJ and Holland Taylor are just constantly giving Jeffrey the business. <laughs> Every single time they interact with him, it's like, oh yeah, you're the person that wasted her life. You wasted Deborah Messing's life. Go away. <laughs> yeah, I do love that because I I feel like with plots like this, sometimes they just make it so that the whole family is shitty. <laughs> like they none of them care. Mm-hmm. And I love I love the moment when like, Holland Taylor is just like, why are you speaking to her? You already wasted seven years of her life. I was like, yeah, like. 
Yeah, I feel like <laughs> exactly. The entire mood for him is like, why are you here? <laughs> it's, no it's, one wants him there. <laughs> it's so refreshing that they don't like blame Deborah Messing for the end of the relationship. And it seems like it's going to go that way at first. But it's like, no, they, they can't stand Jeffrey. It's just that he's best friends with the groom. And then he fucks that up, too. Okay, so Jack Davenport in this movie... <laughs> He's so cute. He's so sweet. I was talking to my mom about this, and she's like, "You have to talk about my favorite character, who is Jack Davenport in this movie." He's, I've, he's so adorable, and he's such a wife guy. Like immediately, well, he's been married to his wife in real life for twenty years. So, I know. I love that. So cute. Yeah. He's just, like, such a wife guy. And it's, like, oh, my God. I mean, he's like that on Coupling, too. He just has, like, wife guy energy. He's just happy to be there. There's so many points where he's just, like, I'm just so lucky. I just, I'm just, I'm just so happy. (laughs) (laughs) It's just nice to see a man like that. It's just, like, yes, I, I understand the privilege of having this beautiful woman be able to put up with me for long periods of time. Thank you, woman. Yeah, (laughs) and and the thing that, like, makes him upset and causes him to snap isn't even her. It is specifically Jeffrey, because he was, like, he was even fine with her, like, fucking around he'd forgiven her for that but it was because it was this piece of shit that she did it with that's what pisses him off i love that i love that specificity (laughs) because i was like yeah that that makes me like him even more because he's just like sure you slept with someone you know maybe at the beginning of our relationship but but you slept with that asshole really (laughs) like and that was supposed to be my best friend like both of you did that to me are you serious god yeah jeffrey sucks so much so like this this movie is kind of weird because it's mostly just like Dermot Mulroney negging Deborah Messing, Jeffrey trying to talk to Deborah Messing, Amy Adams just kind of like I don't I don't know what to call her performance. Really, the worst of Amy Adams, in my opinion. I imagine yeah. that whatever they filmed, Harley had more Amy Adams, <laughs> probably you know, too. Cause I, I, there were things I liked about it, which I'm like, I wish we could flush that out more. Like when she decides she she wants her sister's drink and she makes her give it to her. That was like a very, <laughs> that was like peak sisters. I was like, yeah, that's like a perfect sister moment. She's just like, she doesn't care about about Deborah Messing. She's like, I want She's that. Like, I need that right now. Anyways, this is my sister. I'm going to embarrass her. Yeah. Um, I, I really love the moment, actually, because there could there's such a good sister movie you could create out of Deborah Messing and Amy Adams, especially with this dynamic that just isn't there. I just love when they're super wasted after the bachelorette party and they're, you know, in the limo together with air supply blasting and they're just having like a lovely moment, which is like they're probably their one lovely moment in so many years, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems like there is there's a lot of tension between them and I almost feel like it's like a I don't know, it's weird cuz it almost feels like an Amy Adams is the spoiled one and Deborah Messing is like the more responsible one. Um but then there's also like when they talk about Deborah Messing growing up, it's like, "Oh yeah, she was so popular with all the boys and like everyone loved her." Which you would think would be the situation with the Amy Adams character and not her. And then it also makes you wonder then like what happened? Like how did she yeah. go from like being super confident with all the boys to being 
to paying six thousand dollars for an escort like what happened for fucking jeffrey that's what it was Mulroney to make fun of her for a weekend he's actually right let's just be oh, honest yeah, no, he's, he's totally right, too right. um but it is funny how much he's just I, like whatever like yes you paid me but i'm also annoyed with you <laughs> No offense to Dermot Moroni, but I kind of feel like he was only cast because of his voice. <laughs> like, a lot of it feels like it was because of just the way he, like, sounds when he's talking to her. Oh, totally. And that's why the only scene where I find him hot is the one where he's just like, you're safe. Everything is yes. fine. Close your eyes. Like, that was, like, the one scene where I was like, okay. Yeah, that, that I was hot. It. I can't... <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if you guys have talked about this on the podcast before, but have you talked about him being a professional cellist? No. Wait, wait, wow. like Dermot Mulroney, yeah. the person? Okay, yeah. I love that. <laughs> He's like worked on the scores for like Mission Impossible 3 and Ghost Protocol and like the Star Trek movies. I really want to watch a video I... of him playing cello, like with like his, there are, there are his videos. furrowed like, there brows, are videos. like gazing into the <laughs> abyss. I want that. <laughs> I... Wow, this completely changes how I feel about him now. <laughs> like, like knowing that and like his arc on New Girl like changed a lot of things for me with Dermot. Oh, his arc on New Girl is so good. <laughs> yeah, I think because a lot of my issue with Dermot Moroni is that basically the characters that he's playing, I'm kind of like, I wish you were like the Dermot Moroni now, who's like kind of an agent to Silver Fox territory. Like yeah. that version of Dermot Moroni, I'm like, I want to see in these movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those guys who, like, just kind of had to age into his whole stick. Because he kind of feels like, you know, he's got, like, that silver fox energy, but without having the look. So it just... It's, yeah, kinda, it's yeah, like weird know? when someone that's, in their 20s exactly or 30s it. has that energy, but they're not there yet. And so you're like, this yeah. is... It's not that I don't like it. It's just, like, not quite matching up. But I, I'm yeah. absolutely going to look up videos of him playing cello. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, it's Silver Fox, Dermot Moroni. That does sound lovely. It really does. <laughs> now I'm imagining <laughs> him in the Richard Gere role in Pretty Woman. Right? We're just like gazing into the abyss now as we think about this. I know, that's the best part. Like we all just had to take a beat to like really absorb like the, the power of that. <laughs> I mean, he and Julia Roberts are good friends. If like he, he was like, I want to redo Pretty Woman, but this time I'm Richard Gere. I'm sure she'd say yes. <laughs> Ooh, that would be that would be a mess. Oh uh, yeah, I would be into that, it. That would be, that would be. I'd be into yeah. that. Oh my god, them in a bubble bath together—that'd be good. Uh, <laughs> they gotta be take a beat. <laughs> <laughs> the beat gets weirder. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he just basically next. I do like the part where she just basically like calls him like escort Yoda because he's just constantly just being like, "This is what you need to do." Uh, <laughs> yeah, and she's just like, "Did I it's, ask you? Like, is that actually why you're here? Because I don't, I don't remember asking you." <laughs> okay, the the wildest thing that he says is that like, <laughs> where he's like looking at her feet, and it's just like, "Do you always like? Are you walking on your tiptoes, or is that just what you get from like a lifetime of walking <laughs> eggshells?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that line. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, the more I think about it, it's like the better it is that he negs her the entire movie, actually. She deserves it. It also just like makes the movie more interesting because it's one of those movies where there's this really absurd plot, but the emotional connections between the characters aren't consistent or good enough for the plot to carry it. So you just need him to make fun of her. <laughs> I kind of actually, I think that's the, the better part of their dynamic and what makes their romance work is like kind of the enemies to lover situation. Like, when they're at dance rehearsals and they're just kind of like stepping on each other's toes and stuff, that's good. Like I kind of just like them hating each other. Oh yeah. I totally agree. That's a, that's a good scene with them. And it's like way better than like, I don't know. Cause like there are some of the jokey scenes that work and some of them that don't. And the one that is wild to me, the one that's like very sad is the baseball scene. I was very upset. By just watching her, just like she's like tying up her shirt, she's like poking out her ass, and it's oh not God, even the that, water. And it's not even that like I like that's something that I've done before. But watching Deborah Messing do it is just very it feels weird degrading because you can tell that emotionally it's yeah. very uncomfortable to see her like put her ass out. <laughs> I'm like I don't don't do that, Deborah Messing. That's not something that's in her toolbox. Like go back to like pouring water on yourself and then pouring too much water on yourself and being like, oh no. <laughs> yeah like her just being like i just and i also just it's weird like i don't know how british people feel about ass but like it'd be so funny to hear a british person be like dead ass though (laughs) (laughs) okay uh can you do it can you do a british accent (laughs) <laughs> I am absolutely not gonna do that. Uh, you know, maybe I'll do that on OnlyFans. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, the Britishness of this movie also kind of hurts it because it's got like a very American sensibility in how the comedy moves and then the jokes. And then, like, of course, then Jack Davenport shows up and then it's, like, British again. But he's, like, the most British presence in the movie. He really is. And, yeah, this would have been during Coupling, too. So, you know, that was good, at least. God, I love Coupling. It's Same. just, it's so, it's so perfect. Like, even when I rewatch it and it's like, wow, the politics are very bad. It's like, I don't even care because it's Coupling. Have you ever seen the American remake of Coupling? I have, and it's super weird. It it's just, awful. It's, yeah. It's, it's just, one of the many reasons why the actress Lindsay Price is my nemesis. Wow, what did Lindsay Price do to you? I mean, she see dated coupling Josh Radner for a while. See Coupling U.S., see the fact that she sang the cover of Perhaps, Perhaps, Perhaps for Coupling U.S. Oh, see, yeah. Lipstick Jungle? Was that the one she was on? Or Cashmere Mafia? What did I, one she I was don't on? know if it was Lipstick Jungle or Cashmere Mafia. I really don't know. <laughs> Which does, of course, leads to like uh, the gals on the town bit in 30 Rock. Where she's one of the, 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 the gals on the town, of course. <laughs> as as one is. <laughs> of course, it's, it's her, Terry Polo, and Aisha Tyler, I believe. I'm, I love I love the... Um... <laughs> I love the casualness of like, of course, this is part of my beef with Lindsay Price. <laughs> You're like, as we all know. I, I, as we all know, my, my nemesis, Lindsay Price. 
don't know, the final seasons of Beverly Hills 90210? That's I on the list, too. Yeah, I was like, where have I seen her? Final seasons of Beverly Hills 90210. And then I also remember she was on How I Met Your Mother once, and that's because she was dating Josh Radner, and that show is, like, very incestuous in that way, where it's like, if you're dating someone on the show, you're on the show. Yeah. If you are dating or married to someone on the show, you are on in the show. In that sense, I like. I actually like that it's so straightforward about it because a lot of that happens anyways in Hollywood. But with How I Met Your Mother, it was just very much like, yes, they are dating. <laughs> it was the most obvious way that I've ever seen it yeah. done. And, you know, I appreciate them for yeah, that. Yeah, a little bit of transparency. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. The... This movie, okay, so when we find out that Amy Adams had slept with Jeffrey and that she was just going to wait until after the wedding to tell <laughs> Davenport, I, I was like, is this woman diabolical? Like, what is that? Because you're like moments where maybe yes, but other moments were like, no, she just cares about her sister, but yeah. They're in, it's inconsistent and again we don't I really kind of do want to see if I can get the original scripts I would love to read the original script yeah me too I, I feel like it would I kind of know Dana Fox so I might be able to ask her for that <gasps> you you what wow <laughs> you really buried the yeah, lead for reals <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know Dana Fox that would be so cool um yeah, Amy mm. Adams, it's interesting. So there's this scene, I mean, the whole, like, reveal of the fact that she slept with Jeffrey happens in several scenes. Like, Dermot Mulroney walks in on them talking to each other, and, like, you know, he doesn't mm. tell Deborah Messing because he's in an awkward position, and I totally get that. Like, um, also, who knows if she would believe him? Like, in these movies, a lot of times, when right. someone tries to tell the truth, then the other person gets mad and doesn't believe them. Um, but... Yeah, it seems like it's going to be one of those moments where he does tell her, like, when he interrupts her and Jeffrey, and he doesn't. So you're like, phew, we're not doing that. Yeah, exactly. But then it's still somehow very uh, frustrating, this whole situation. I mean, beyond the fact that it's shitty that Amy slept with Jeffrey while with Ed, um, Eddie, uh, Deborah Messing (laughs) finds out about it in front of, like, Jeffrey tells her right before some gathering of the wedding party. Um, I don't know what they're doing, but they're all outside and they're like in this small area and he tells her it's, and then she, it's just a rehearsal. Yeah. Dinner, I think right? it was a rehearsal dinner, which was also just like, really motherfucker. Like you're going to do this right now. You can't even do it like at midnight. Like, you're like what? Like he, he's, such a, he's such a piece of shit. And we need to talk about that, that, more, that more because he's like, I try to be a good guy and tell the truth. But like his version of telling the truth is also making a bunch of excuses and also just like he spends most of the movie trying to talk to Deborah Messing about fucking her sister. He, and it's just like because like the misdirect of the movie is that he wants to talk to Deborah Messing because he wants to get back together. Mm-hmm. And then that's not what it is. But then it also makes it weird that he's always just like constantly like chasing her down as if like telling her would actually change his situation in any way. Because <laughs> he's clearly a psychopath. Yeah, like, why not? To to him, like, he's not okay. 
Like, why not just try to track down Jack Davenport? Like, mm-hmm. I know that, I mean, it's because he's a coward, but it's like, right. it's just weird. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to completely shatter you after seven years of us not talking. It is kind of interesting that we're like questioning if Amy Adams is supposed to be like diabolical because like Jeffrey's, the, like ultimately it's like Jeffrey is the diabolical one, not her. Even she is able to, you know, move past this. But again, as the movie says at the end, he learned, he learned nothing. So it's like, like literally when Edward starts like chasing him uh, in their, their British man fight, he's just like, it was, we were done before you were together, which is not the case. Like they were fucking the entire time until basically like he, he proposed. Well, also I was confused. Is- I was confused about the fact that um, Amy, it, it's like they talk about it as if this is a thing that happened and they're apologizing, but then they also talk about it as if they're in love. And it, I, I, at least my viewing experience was confusing. I was like, wait, so do Amy Adams and Jeffrey actually love each other? Because when Amy Adams was talking about it, it sounded like she loved Jeffrey, but she's like, oh, but I also love Eddie. Um, but then the way that Jeffrey is dealing with it is kind of like, I need to get this off my chest so that I can like move forward in life. But then he also says that. But he then loves he says her. that he loves her, and then Amy Adams seems to be the one who actually moves forward. Yeah. So it's it's a very confusing for me, like to follow mm. what they actually feel, even though I don't, you know, like I don't approve yeah. of it. I'm just like, huh. Because there's also that part at the bachelor party where he's he's talking about her, but Edward thinks he's talking about Deborah Messing, where he's like, well, like now I'm like ready for her or whatever. It's which like fuck you, God Jeffrey. He sucks. really sucks. He really. He's, yeah, he's just an agent of chaos. Well, say, he doesn't love anyone but yeah, himself. Yeah, Amy sucks too. Like, I can't imagine secretly dating one of my sister's exes for years. Like, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, based on the stories they tell, it seems like it's a pathological thing she has, which I really wish they would address. They don't really address it other than, like, uh, Deborah eventually just, like, cutting her down <laughs> viciously. I'm like, what? Well, kind of want more of this so we can, you know, get to there Yeah, naturally. like, I wanted, I wanted more, I mean, like, we mentioned this earlier, but I, I just wanted more of their relationship so that that moment could yeah. hold more weight. And, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, like, comedies and rom-coms being too long is a real issue, but, like, I needed more of this movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to IMDb, uh, if you take away the end credits, this movie is only 78 minutes, which goes to show you how much they cut out. Yeah, it's yeah, it is way too short. And it's interesting because like now that I'm thinking about it, um, it's something that 27 Dresses does better. <laughs> it like really foregrounds the sister relationship in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it's still kind of, and it's also a similar dynamic yeah, a similar too, dynamic. Yeah, yeah. where it's just like the young kind of carefree sister and the older, more responsible sister. I am a pro 27 dresses. Uh, me oh, too. Yeah. People have asked us to do it on the podcast, they're and I'm wrong. just like, I, they're wrong. Yeah, we, we do it on the podcast as movie. like um, a good romance palette cleanser. But like, we both yeah. are like, we love yeah. the movie, so why would we cover it? And honestly, yeah. the more we're talking about the wedding name, just like, this is like the shell of a good movie, basically. They remove the, the, the parts of it to make it actually a good movie, as much as I enjoy it. Yeah, you know? like there's, yeah, there's these yeah, actors who are fantastic, and there's even concepts that are really interesting, but it's just like, it's like the puzzle is not quite put together right. Like, some of the pieces are a little off. I just yeah. I get the, the feeling that the, that the studio was... The, probably the key word for the studio's notes was unlikable. I'm guessing that was the word they used a lot in their notes. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I would like studio to see a version now. of this that's 15 minutes longer. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, just for the sake of, like, summarizing, you know, Amy Adams and Jack Davenport get married. Uh, Deborah Messing ends up with Dermot Mulroney, and he quits He quits his job, which I think is interesting. Maybe it's just because he had – I get it because he wants to date her, but I also wonder if it's, like, a situation where he has a bunch of money and doesn't actually need to keep working. I would love to know what that means. Like pretty that high, so he can he probably save it pretty quick. Yeah, and, and you know, and he talks about turning, and he also talks about turning women down for jobs. Yeah. Um. So yeah, what happens and, to the uh, fake boom of male escorts in this movie, in the universe <laughs> of this movie? <laughs> Do you think someone was like trying to track the trend and thought like this is going to be the new trend? And it just yeah, didn't yeah, no, we'll get ahead of it, and then this movie will be canon. It'll be like you know part of this cultural moment, and instead it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Sure. And then Jeffrey runs off and just like decides to commit fully to being a hoe, which I mean, okay. Wearing protection. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, that's all fine. So yeah, if we were, you, we usually like to suggest another film that you could watch instead. You can watch The Wedding Date. It's fine. Uh, if you want to watch a better version of it, you can watch 27 Dresses, which is great. Um, and you could, you could watch the music video for The Core's Breathless, which plays at the beginning of this movie. It's right that song coming out in 2000, but it doesn't matter because I played that song on a loop all day in preparation for this podcast. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything that you, well, like, we talked about your book but do you have any like you have a podcast yeah. now right I, I have many podcasts now I'm a podcaster <laughs> now I'm dominating I have uh, two podcasts about um, emo vampires so um, the Empire Diaries which is my rewatch slash first time watch podcast uh, for the Vampire Diaries oh, with a couple of friends. My God, you need to talk to Laura Bradley, who writes for the Daily Beast ASAP. She's one of my best friends, and she loves Vampire Diaries, and she rewatches it constantly. You should have her on the She's correct. <laughs> She's correct to do that. Yeah, uh, so it is me, uh, my friend Morgan, who has watched the show with a million times, as I have, and our friend Jill, who has never, this is our first time watching the show. So we, we, we watch uh, two episodes a week, and we discuss critically we discuss hornily mostly it's the horniness uh we talk about new girl a lot we are the vampire diaries rewatch podcast that talks the most about new girl (laughs) of Um, course yes makes sense and there's also uh angel on top which is an angel rewatch podcast which is a spinoff of buffering the vampire slayer i am the host now starting with season three of angel on top so you can find that uh in the buffering the vampire slayer podcast feed Oh my God, when you get to season four, that's going to be, oh my God, that's going to be some climactic radio. (laughs) Season four of of Angel is a wild ride. Uh, when does this drop real quick so I can see if I can plug the, the next one? Um, next this should be, this should drop if I do, if I edit on time, which hopefully I will on the 18th. 18th well uh probably by the 18th uh we'll see um i am starting a uh podcast uh about women's wrestling the history of women's wrestling uh coming up soon for fan bite um i don't know if it will be dropped by by the time this drops but 
uh, be on the lookout for that. Oh yeah! Oh Yay. my god! Oh my good we got a podcasting. Queen yes, over we here. love it. Uh, it's crazy. I hate to speak, and yet podcast. <laughs> well, you know, speaking and podcasting, it's it's a different feeling. Podcasting is just you just kind of roll into the water, and then there you are. That's why I just get drunk during <laughs> that way. The new bit on the Empire Diaries is hearing the ice in my drink clink. <laughs> That's when people know, like, it's getting to a good part. <laughs> and you're in Chicago, right? No, I'm in L.A. L.A.? Why did I think you were in Chicago? I don't AB know. Club? Is that why? <laughs> huh? Is it AB, AB Club, Club, probably, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, wow. So it's only, like, it's, like, 4 o'clock over there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. Like so to me, I'm lucky. like that's so sweet <laughs> that it's four. It's so nice. <laughs> wow, I <Yeah>. love it. <laughs> like there's there's still so much day left for you. Yeah, the sun's still out, and you're having you're having like a four p.m. bourbon. I love that. Love that's perfect. That you could go on a bourbon walk. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to some more Coors Breathless. Absolutely, living your best life. <laughs> Of course. Who doesn't yes. love Irish pop rock? <laughs> it's beautiful. I love Irish pop rock. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I can think of a band. Uh, Two Door Cinema Club? Does that count as Irish pop rock? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I only know the course. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to assume yes, and somebody can like correct me if they're like a Two Door Cinema Club hater or something. <laughs> So this has been the Bad Romance Podcast. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on we're on Stitcher. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Uh, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. We love it. We appreciate it. You don't even have to say anything. You can just give us a five-star review. But if you did a five-star review and you're also just like, we love these two beautiful, brilliant women. I mean, we would not dislike no, we that. Would, we would not. <laughs> we would definitely not dislike that. We would probably shed a, a small tear of joy. <laughs> yeah, that would be beautiful. That would be great. Um, our theme song is by Clutch Douglas and... I, it's like my favorite, like every single time I edit it every week, I keep on thinking, am I going to get tired of hearing it? It's just such a good jam. Yeah. (laughs) It is, it is a jam. Um, I listen to your podcast all the time, so I know it's a jam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't, by the time that this is out, I don't know, I'm going to be on some things, um, I I shot a pilot for a thing, but I can't really say what it is. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. I'm going to be on NPR Pop Culture Happy Hour, the Scott Pilgrim episode. I don't know when that's coming out, but if you awesome. ever see NPR Pop Culture Happy Hour and you see, like, Scott Pilgrim, then that's the one that I'm on. I'll be there. Uh, and can't really think of anything else. So have a good week and... I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. That's Latoya. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we always do this. You know what? We do this all the time. You guys want to try that again? I was, Can okay. we all sing together? I was, Can I was, we just like say our names at once? Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. This is Latoya Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going one by one. Okay. Okay. I'm fine to go last, okay? Go ahead and go last, okay. (laughs) 
I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. <laughs> I'm Matoya Ferguson. Bye. Bye. Yeah.